episode 45 of the State of the Old Republic podcast, was originally recorded on July 11th, 2017. It's the State of the Old Republic podcast. This week, Game Update 5.3 goes live. I'll review the patch notes and give you details on the new Stronghold, Ops Boss, and Class changes. Mercenaries and Commandos are among the disciplines getting nerfed. For those of you sticking with those after 5.3, I've got some advice to help ensure that these are the last of our nerfs. Do you use legacy weapons to add crystals and tunings to your individual character collections? Well, those days may be over. I'll have details later in the show. And finally this week, Galactic Starfighter was the topic of the week on the forums. I'll share my thoughts on what I think needs to be changed. And with that, it's time to make the jump to light speed and check out the State of the Old Republic. Well, welcome to episode 45 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted. And as you heard in the opening, I have another great show lined up for you today. First up, let's review some announcements for the Old Republic. The Summer of SWOTOR is here, and it is heating up. The Narshada Nightlife event is going on and runs through August, probably going to end with the release of Game Update 5.4. Game Update 5.3 is set to go live on July 11th, which is tomorrow, and I'll get to that in a minute. The Relics of the Gree event will run from July 11th through the 18th, There will be a double CXP event that will run from July 18th through the 25th. Now, after the first CXP event, they increased the baseline CXP so that what we're earning today is very similar to what we were, we were during that first event. So this event should boost the rate at which we earn CXP to something higher than we've seen before. I'm starting to save up CXP packs for all of my alts and we'll open them with this event. And I think it'd be a good idea. Um, for you to do that too. So you might want to clear out some bank space in your legacy cargo hold or find a tune just to store all these. But uh, you'll, I think you'll really appreciate the fact that you have all these CXP packs to open up when the event goes live on July 18th. The Rakul Plague outbreak on Tatooine will run from July 25th to August 1st. And finally, Game Update 5.4 will go live sometime in August. Well, that's all the announcements I have. Let's slice the holonet and review the news this week. So the big news this week is that Game Update 5.3, Sisters of Carnage, goes live on July 11th, which of course is tomorrow. We knew that it included a new stronghold, and we now know that the stronghold is indeed on Manan. Eric Musco had some fun revealing that on the forums this week. Uh, A player asked the following, Can you at least post where the stronghold is and the prices, please? I know there are rumors, but an official statement would be nice. And Eric got creative in his response. Instead of just saying the new stronghold was on Manan, he spelled it out when he wrote, MAN, M-A-N in all caps, what a great question, and A was all caps. Let me see if I can get you an answer to that. And AN was also in all caps, which spelled out Manan. Later, they did release a page with additional information on 5.3, which included a picture of the Stronghold, which they also released as an animated GIF on Twitter. So how much is this going to set you back, and it will set you back some? Well, first it should be noted that with Manan, you can have up to six Strongholds unlocked, which means you can have all the Strongholds unlocked, because there are only six. 
No need to worry about deactivating one, which is awesome. Now, the price to unlock the stronghold is 2,500 cartel coins or 2.5 million credits. Remember, if you unlock the stronghold with cartel coins and then deactivate it for any reason, you can reactivate it for free. This is beneficial if you transfer a character to another server because you can then activate that stronghold on the new server for free. If you unlock it with credits, then you will have to pay for it again on that new server. Or if you deactivate it for any reason, you'd have to prepay to reactivate it again. Just something to think about it. I'm going to unlock mine with credits because two and a half million isn't that much in today's economy. And remember this is only for the stronghold itself. Any rooms that you unlock with credits stay unlocked. And there are rooms to unlock, four to be exact. There is the interior expansion, which costs 1,400 cartel coins or 2 million credits. There is the rooftop garden, which costs 800 cartel coins or 975,000 credits. There is the deep water sanctuary south, which costs 1,150 cartel coins or 1,450,000 credits. And finally, there is the deep water sanctuary north, which also costs 1,150 cartel coins or 1,450,000 credits. This makes the total cost of the stronghold 7,000 cartel coins or 8,375,000 credits. That is just the beginning, though, because once you have the stronghold unlocked, you're going to want to decorate it, right? On the cartel market, you will find the Deep Water Essentials Decoration Bundle. No word on the pricing for this yet, but it looks like it's going to include about 20 decorations, uh, including things like three different scale fish aquariums, a Manon flag, which is a hanging flag, a large aquarium, a Manon patio set, a Manon floor lamp, Three fountains, a fountain of knowledge, a fountain of light, and a fountain of tranquility. There is a lounge set and an office set. There is also a most wanted kiosk, which if it doesn't have a picture of Jakaro in C2D4, I will be most disappointed. And then there are also various Selkath personnel, but they don't like outsiders, so I don't know why you'd want any of them hanging around your stronghold, but they will be available as part of the essentials bundle. I can't wait to see the stronghold and move in. I will be unlocking the whole thing, as I said, with credits. And, you know, because Manan is great. It's it's a special place in the Old Republic, going all the way back to Knights of the Old Republic. And it's where Team Theron slash Lana was born. So, yeah, I can't wait to have the Manan stronghold and get those beautiful underwater views as well as the ocean views. I think it's going to be my brand new headquarters for the foreseeable future. All right, so the other big feature uh, in game update 5.3 is the release of the second boss encounter from the Gods of the Machine operation. It's the twin bosses of Avela and Esne, and folks like Swotor Central and Kid Lee released videos on the encounter. I'll have links to those in the show notes if you want to get a, a look at this encounter. Also, Jessie from the Passionately Casual podcast wrote a very nice blog post on her site, TatooineDreams.com, and I'll post a link to that in the show notes as well. The fight will be released with both story and veteran modes, and at first glance, it looks to be an absolute cluster of a fight, but I think in reality, it's more about controlled chaos. You will end up splitting your ops team into two groups, one on each boss, and everyone will get the extra action bar with a couple of abilities that you'll use to mitigate damage from various mechanics throughout the fight. 
And that's really about it. I'm sure there will be full-blown strategies out before too long, but check out those videos uh, if you want an early look ahead of the operation release on July 11th. Of course, 5.3 also includes the first round of class balance changes. Just to recap, here are the disciplines receiving buffs and nerfs. Now, the disciplines receiving buffs include Madness Sorcerer and Balance Sage, Virulence Sniper and Dirty Fighting Gunslinger, and they were both nerfed and buffed, Powertech Pyrotech and Vanguard Plasma Tech, Hatred Assassin and Serenity Shadow. And the disciplines getting nerfed are Corruption Sorcerer and Seer Sage, Arsenal Mercenary and Gunnery Commando, Innovative Ordnance Mercenary and Assault Specialist Commando, and Engineering Sniper and Saboteur Gunslinger. Now, those are the disciplines affected, and just because the changes are going to happen, it doesn't mean they won't change things if they didn't get it right. This is an iterative process, and Eric had this to say about how the team will evaluate things moving forward. For a multitude of reasons, class balance is one of the most challenging communication topics. We dislike having to nerf a class as much as you do, but sometimes we have to do it for the overall health of our game, as we talked about in our How Class Balance Happens thread. We understand that no one ever likes to see the effectiveness of their class reduced. It can change the way you play, take enjoyment out of playing that class, and make you feel slighted if you believe the changes happened because of another type of gameplay, PvE or PvP, which you don't even participate in. We are very sensitive to all of these things. We knew class changes were a top priority, so we provided insight about how we intended to balance all classes ahead of next week's patch. Since we took so long to make changes after the release of Knights of the Eternal Throne, we had quite a few big changes to make, and that's what you've been reading the last few weeks. It is going to be rough for some disciplines, as they are way over target, but it is important that we bring them in line. Additionally, we may have missed the mark with some of the changes, and if we went too far or not far enough, you can expect to see additional adjustments in the future. Going forward, it is our intent to stay on top of class balance so changes will be less severe slash sweeping than they are in 5.3 and the upcoming 5.4 patch in August. And then he went on to say, let's get a little more specific. The following list is not comprehensive, but here is some of the key feedback we have read coming out of the class change posts. Arsenal slash gunnery needed survivability slash utility nerfs, not DPS. As we said in the balance thread, we want to get damage targets in line first before we touch too much utility. They did get a slight nerf to survivability in 5.3, and we will monitor both their damage and ability to stay alive going forward. Corruption slash seer nerfs went too far and may also negatively impact DPS. Admittedly, those two disciplines were substantially overperforming and will receive the most significant nerfs in 5.3, but we will watch their performance closely and make changes if we've gone too far. The same is true of the impact on the Sork slash Sage bubble for DPS. We'll change, we'll change it or give them other defensive options to compensate if needed. Madness slash balance buffs are nice, but they are still force negative. Beyond the changes already listed, they are receiving a buff to their force regeneration to no longer be rotationally negative. We have doubled the effect of Sith efficacy slash psychic barrier so that each channel of force lightning slash telekinetic throw will restore 8% of total force minus the cost. To be clear, that's a net of plus 3 per tick of damage or plus 12 total force per channel 
not including the ongoing passive force regeneration that also occurs during the channel. Now, as many of you know, my main tune is an Arsenal Mercenary, and despite the damage nerfs, I plan on keeping him as my main tune after 5.3. I've got too much invested in this character to just put him on the shelf. That said, I am worried that the damage nerfs are going too far in the wrong direction. I'm also concerned that they are going to further nerf Merc's survivability, and there's always a chance that they'll do do that and not buff up the damage. So even though this is an iterative process, there will come a time when the dev team puts their pencils down and declare victory. And that will probably happen not long after game update 5.4. Therefore, if you play a mercenary or a commando, I have a mission for you. Lay off the defensive cooldowns. Not forever, just until they're done making changes. Stop taking trauma regulators. Use your reflect sparingly. If you're in an operation, stand in something. Just don't die if you're running EV or KP in any mode because nobody dies in those operations. So just die, but don't look like you're trying to die. Just die casual. Do that, and I think we'll come out okay. They'll leave the survivability alone, and we may even see a buff to our damage. Another change coming in 5.3 is a modification to how some abilities will work in PvP. Specifically... Area of effect damage over time abilities have been updated to be consistent in that they will not break objective channeling in war zones, such as capturing a node in Alderaan Civil War. The affected abilities include Plasma Probe, Incendiary to Grenade, Orbital Strike, and XS Freighter Flyby. And these changes were actually announced when they did the engineering sniper and saboteur gunslinger changes last week, and this is what they had to say about this specific change. For a very long time now, single target damage overtime effects have not interrupted characters from capturing PvP objects, largely because if they did, it would make capturing PvP objects extremely difficult, nigh impossible, some might say. But until now, that hasn't prevented all of the area of effect damage over time abilities in the game from interrupting a character who is trying to capture a PvP objective. In 5.3, this will be changing. All AoE dot abilities, including Plasma Probe, Incendiary Grenade, will be joining Toxic Haze and Bushwhack as abilities that do not interrupt a character who is in the process of capturing a PvP objective. This change is intended to make it easier for attacking teams to capture PvP objectives and reduce the frequency of stalemates in certain PvP war zones. It is a small change and it affects few abilities. For example, abilities like Death from Above, Murder Volley, and Suppressive Fire, Sweeping Gunfire, which require a character to actively maintain a channel and are not considered damage over time effects in SWOTOR, will still interrupt an enemy character who is trying to capture a PvP objective. I think this is probably a good change. Uh, I'm curious to see what impact it will have on war zones like Void Star. And even though it doesn't affect abilities like Death from Above or Sweeping Gunfire, because Mercs and Commandos have been nerfed so hard, you'll no longer see them in war zones, so it'll be as if they applied the changes to those abilities as well. So, more opportunities for you to cap objectives in war zones and maybe have closer, more competitive matches. Another big change coming in 5.3 is that character-bound color crystals and weapon tunings from the cartel market, direct sale or packs, 
can no longer be moved across characters via legacy weapons. Holy moly. Now, I don't know about you, but that's how I've been actually transferring color crystals to my various characters. I mean, why spend real money and, and, and use cartel coins to unlock them in collections when you can just pop a crystal into a legacy weapon, put it in your legacy cargo hold, or just email it to whatever character that you want to have that crystal. Is it tedious? Yes. Is it inconvenient? Sure. But it works. And it's a great way to save uh, those cartel coins and use them for other things. So this has kind of been my modus operandi, if you will, for transferring color crystals to all my characters across my legacy on, on multiple servers, uh, by the way. And now it is being changed without warning in 5.3 and you will no longer be able to do that. And I'm kind of torn on this, right? Because as a general rule, if you run across something that's too good to be true in an MMO, you can expect it to be fixed. And I would definitely put this under the category of too good to be true. But by the same token, it's been around for a long time, many, many years, almost the entirety of the game, really. I mean, certainly it's been a known issue, if you will, for at least four years. And it's a little bit like trying to unring a bell. It's just something we've had for a long time. It's been a part of the game for a long time. And not only that, but it's it's been known by the devs and the, and the developers have commented on this and almost basically condoned it and, you know, blessed this action and said it's okay. And in fact, uh, I was looking, doing a little bit of research and I came across this post on the forums by Eric Musco from May 23rd, 2013. That's over four years ago. And here's what a player asked at that time. And the player said, for the sake of clarification, is it an exploit in your eyes to dupe crystals and send them to alts via legacy gear? This feature wasn't patched and it's still possible to do this. I think we all want to know the answer to this. And this was Eric's response. Correct. Using a legacy weapon to move a color crystal, which you pulled down from your collection GUI, is not an exploit. This is the case because there is no way to manipulate the system to allow for a large amount of credit gain as there was prior to uh, 2.1.0b. So what's driving the change now? Well, obviously it's, it's, it's weapons tuning, right? They, they allowed you to, they made weapons tunings part of the collection and then you could basically put them in a weapon. You could put it in a legacy weapon, give it to another character. They could rip it out of that weapon. It would be added to their collection and then they could use it, um, whatever they wanted. And they just saw this as, as, as kind of a bridge too far, even though you could do it with color crystals. Tunings, I guess, are another animal entirely. And rather than just limit the change to tunings, it was probably easier just to apply it to crystals as well. I know there's a thread, I believe, getting started up on the forums for people to, quote, discuss this. There's a, there's a patch notes thread over on the SWOTOR subreddit to discuss this as well. I think there's a good chance we may see some kind of reversion of this change. Maybe they'll They'll, they'll be able to remove it from the patch and just hold off on it. Have no idea. It's a little bit soon. Haven't heard any uh, developers comment on this as of uh, recording the podcast on, on Monday, July the 10th. 
But if you have a strong opinion, try and find that form, that post on the forums. I'm going to look for it. I'll put a link to it in the show notes as well as the, the post that exists on the SWOTOR subreddit. And now's the chance to go ahead and make your voice heard. Are you happy with the change? You hate the change? You think it's a good idea, a bad idea? I think it makes sense. I don't think it should have been in the game at all, but it's been here for a long time. And I think it's hard to remove it now, especially since the developers have come out and stated in the past that it's not an exploit, that it is not a bug, and players have gotten used to it. And there are folks like me who have treated this like a feature and a normal part of the game. And I think trying to removing it now is a lot like unringing a bell, which is very hard to do. And I think they just ought to leave it as is. And finally, for 5.3, here are a few miscellaneous changes that you should be aware of. Visual improvements have been made to loot indicators on fallen enemies. Okay, I'm not sure what was so hard about a giant beam of light emanating from a fallen corpse that was hard to understand, other than the light blue for, like, gray items was sometimes a little bit hard to distinguish from the the darker blue for, for prototype items. But other than that, I think it was pretty easy to figure out what was going on with enemies that you could loot. All right, improved speeder piloting 4 and 5 now works for all mounts. Players who are unable to retrieve Malavai Quinn or Alara Dorn from the Companion Locator Terminal should now be able to do so. Lana Bonico and Koth Vartena can now have their visual appearance customized. The Galactic Stronghold Decoration UI has been updated to include a search field, something that I am looking forward to. The Black Talon slash Esselus now level sync the player to the appropriate level of the flashpoints as intended to match the low difficulty of this content. CXP consumables have been removed from the bosses, and this is sort of the, the final nail in the coffin of those two flashpoints in terms of trying to farm some solo CXP. Uh, they corrected an issue which was preventing players from progressing past the Infernal Council in the Eternity Vault. And for those who didn't know, if you need it, this was introduced when they fixed the achievement in uh, 522, whatever the last patch was. And uh, the way you got around it was there was a specific individual that you had to kill last. This should now be fixed. Due to their higher difficulty and longer completion time, an additional command experience consumable has been added to the final boss of the Divided We Fall landing party and trial and error uprisings. The following decorations from the Nar Shaddaa nightlife event can now be donated to a player's guild. And this is pretty much all of them. The, the three ceiling lights, the red, yellow, and blue, the bar, the mic stand, and the party floor. A weapon tuning slot has been added to Lord Kalig's lightsaber and Lord Kalig's double-bladed sight lightsaber. This is a reward you get when you do the Sith Inquisitor storyline. Crafted 246 relics have had their effects updated to be at the proper rating. No need to recraft any that you've done. The dark attuned and light attuned weapon tunings have been added to collections. Items that have two letter words in their names, such as Altar of Skulls, can now be searched on the GTN without having to remove the two letter word. Oh, thank the maker. This is, this is a wonderful quality of life change. I'm so happy to see this. Uh, the Gamorian Guard Companion for the Narshadal the Nightlife event no longer requires artifact authorization for free to play and preferred status players. As well as that, a large quantity of items have had their status updated to no longer require artifact auth- authorization for free-to-play and preferred status players. 
The Xeno Analyst 2 from the Relics of the Gree event now drops Gray Helix components as intended, and the Weekly Gods from the Machine Mission objective has been updated to require that player kills that the player kills Avella and Esne. All right, so those are there. There are other changes that I did not cover, and as always, I encourage you to read the full patch notes prior to launching game update 5.3. Finally, the topic of the week on the forums was wait for it, Galactic Starfighter. There was not one, not two, but three threads dedicated to the feedback on Galactic Command. And the topics they covered were ship balance, itemization, and friction points. Now, I don't play much Galactic Starfighter. I'd like to, but I have a hard time getting into it, both literally and figuratively. I think I waited in queue for almost 40 minutes before I had a match pop up just last night. Now, to prepare for this topic, I did a couple of things. One, I tried to play some Galactic Starfighter. And two, I went and played some Star Wars Battlefront. One of my favorite game modes in Battlefront is Fighter Squadron, and that is uh, their version of Space PvP, and I enjoy it. And I wanted to understand why I enjoy space PvP in Battlefront, but not in SWOTOR. For me, it mostly comes down to ship control and fighting. For one, I don't want to hold down the space bar or any key to move. Give me thrusters. I hit the key and start moving. When I release the key, I move at whatever speed I was at when I released the key. And I'd like it if that's all there was to moving the ship. I don't like to switch power to the guns when I want to fire and then switch power to the shields when I'm getting fired upon and then switch power to the engines when I want to get from point A to B. I don't want to worry about if there's gas in the car. I just want a basic set of thrusters. I don't mind having components or spending points or fleet requisition to improve them, but I do think there are too many of them. Just give me one primary weapon. I don't want to have to figure out what is the best set of lasers for my ship. Just give me one set of lasers, and I'm happy to improve them over time. If you want to have different secondary weapons, such as missiles or mines and those types of things, I'm fine with that. The other thing that would help is to make the ship's legacy wide. You can still make them faction-based, meaning I need to work on my Republic ships and Imperial ships separately, but I'd love it if they were per legacy and not per character. That way I could run with whatever character I wanted and progress that tune's Galactic Command or XP or what have you, and it would definitely make it alt-friendly. I'm so bad at it right now that I can't speak to ship imbalance or how big the gap is between the new player versus the player who's been at it from the start. Whatever gap does exist probably needs to be narrowed. And I think those are some things that could help. I also need to spend more time playing, but unlike PvP, I'm having a hard time just having fun. I didn't PvP at all until a couple of months ago, and I wasn't very good when I first started, but I was able to kill people, and I was able to just have fun. I'm much better now, and enjoy the heck out of it a lot more than I did when I started, but I just can't seem to get over that first hump with Galactic Starfighter, which is to just have fun. Well, that's it for this week. Enjoy Game Update 5.3. Send me your pictures of your new stronghold. I need decorating ideas, and y'all will definitely be better at it than I am. So with that, let me cue the music and congratulate you on surviving another half hour listening to episode 45 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and I thank you for tuning in. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and Buzzsprout. You can also listen to the show directly from the show's site, which is sotorpodcast.com 
And then there is also an RSS feed where you can subscribe directly to the podcast. If you have a question for the show, you can email me at sotorpodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet your questions to at sotorpodcast. And be sure to follow me on Twitter to get the latest information on the podcast as well as hear about various things I'm doing in game. Look for episode 46 on July 18th, 2017. And remember the Sith code, cake is a lie. Thank you.